has been definitely a time of reflection, if nothing else, yeah. reflecting on the life that you've created, um, the job that you have, the partner that you're with, even how you've decorated your home. You know, am I okay with this? Does this sit well with me now that you're in that space and you can't leave, <laughs> right. you know, like you used to come and go, or you were able to just ignore it. You know, that, that, that mess, that what, wherever that mess was in your life. That was Kareth Foster, who inspires others through speaking, writing, and comedy. I'm your host, Martin John, the Recovery Mentor, and I want to welcome you to the Recover Yourself podcast, where we address topics you'll face while on a journey to recovering yourself. This podcast is all about expanding the definition and scope of how we understand both addiction and recovery. I'm interested in doing this so everyone has an opportunity to recover themselves. This way, no matter where you are on that journey, there is a place for you here. Now, I was introduced to Kareth and her work through a book, The Coddling of the American Mind, in which there was a brief story that she was featured in. Our conversation started as a focus on what I call the double down effect, which we've all experienced and is when we double down on anything to prove a point to ourselves or others. It's never a healthy thing, but I think most of us can see areas we have and may still double down. It often happens when we or our identities are challenged. As Kareth and I discuss, the focus of our conversation moves firmly to identity. While listening to this episode, take note of how we discuss identity and how we encourage more fluidity in our lives rather than holding fast to our identities. Kareth has had to look her identity in the eye her entire life because of other people's ideas of what she should be doing or what she should be sounding like. What that has led her to see is that we can't dictate how others think or feel, and we can't expect others to take what we think or feel into consideration. This is a huge part of recovering ourselves, because when we're tied up in an idea of how others are supposed to be, then we are entangled in a losing battle. Also, our demanding of others might very well cause them to double down on that which we are trying to rally against. This further solidifies this aspect of their identity rather than giving them the freedom to step away from it. Now this is a very difficult and layered conversation, so please proceed with an open mind and know that we, both Kareth and I, are both here in acceptance of you and your neighbor. Uh, Kareth, thank you so much. Oh, bad. Well, I appreciate you having me. I, you know, I think I said when we spoke, there there aren't any accidents. Um, you were supposed to read that book. You were supposed to see the passage that I was in and the experience that I shared. And and I think that connection was was genuine and authentic, and, and one that um, you know led us to to this place so we could further the conversation. So I'm excited to be here. Thank you. Absolutely. Yeah, authenticity is such a big deal, and the double down effect not only can get us stuck out in the streets if we have this idea of who we are, this identity that we're holding on to, but also how we get stuck in our lives when we when we get so easily distracted by our identities being kind of mm-hmm. needing uh, needing to change our identities or needing to reevaluate the identity that we that we associate with. Um, so yeah, I think that's a brilliant analogy because what you're saying right now, well, it was applicable to, you know, initially what you were talking about as far as like, you know, substance and dependency on those things. I think that that a much broader spectrum, as you're saying, we as a, as a country, as a society, as human beings are stuck in certain ways of thinking 
that keep us from experiencing our best lives. And that's what's happening right now in the name of, you know, this political divide and, and racism and sexism and all of these things that, you know, have people choosing a side or sticking their head in the sand, um, you know, that's pre preventing growth. Absolutely. I, oh, God. Yeah. Like I did, I did an interview with someone a while ago. It's just like, don't identify with something. I mean, we were talking about uh, a, a trans man that I know and, and, and the idea was like, pick your gender, however you feel comfortable, but don't identify with any of it. Right. Because as soon as you identify with it, you have to do certain things that other people are expressing. I agree. My, I mean, my argument is that I don't have a problem with any pronoun that you choose. Like that's fine. But if you're going to be wrapped up in just that, then you're doing yourself a grave disservice. Um, a, because you're going to be thrown off by anybody who doesn't understand it or get it or identifies or understands that identification. And you're just setting yourself up for to feel further isolated from the rest of the world. And this is happening, uh, as you mentioned, politically, right? Like when, when you identify so strongly with a specific political outcome, um, it's so easy for you to get thrown off, thrown off of your course, right? Like this is your course, this is your life. And where he's so easily getting thrown off and spending months wrapped up in like things that yes, of course they matter. I don't want to be like, they don't matter, but like it, it is, it is a very, it is a very slippery slope once you start to identify with things. Right. right. And I, I get what you're saying. I, I call them surface things, right? I mean, they, yes, they matter. Okay. I'm not saying don't be passionate about your politics or Absolutely. your ethnicity or your religion or, you know, but I, I, I was going to say this for later, but might as well jump into it now. You know, I was in New York City for 9-11. And for me, you know, like the rest of the world, everybody was in shock. That Tuesday lasted a long time. And then Wednesday, everybody just kind of holed up in their apartments and stayed home. And then that Thursday, I found myself out of my apartment with several friends at the Jacob Javits Center on 11th and 34th um, Street. Uh, and and I was, it wasn't just us. It was thousands upon thousands of New Yorkers with, you know, tools and sandwiches and water and first aid, like everybody was just there to help. And it was, I mean, I, it gets me emotional because it was probably one of the most beautiful things I have ever seen in my entire life because at that exact moment and for about two weeks after in New York City, there was no race, there was no age, there was no gender, there was no religion, there was no politics. Like, it was human beings there and their most authentic selves to help other human beings. And, you know, we see it again in spurts, right? When we have a, a tornado, right, that hits some place or the hurricanes in Houston. You know, my daughter's godparents had to be rescued by canoe from their house. And I assure you, the people who were helping them up weren't asking who you voted for or who do you sleep with. Yeah. Nobody, it, that's not what this is about. And we, the work that I do embodies having that consciousness as much as we can. We're not perfect. We're not going to be perfect and always, you know, eradicate bias and, and the fact that we stereotype, like that's just part of human nature. Right. But the idea is how do you, how do you um, create a space where that isn't taking up as much room? And you can, you can like kind of climb that hurdle a little bit quicker so that you see the other person as a human being and get to know them and experience them because jerks come in all sizes and shapes mm -hmm. and shades 
and so do really good people. That's right. That's right. And when we when we address this this doubling down, right? Doubling down on like I identify as I, I don't know, like 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 you know, just this, just this, like we're gonna go to a go to a grand extreme, right? I identify as a white supremacist or whatever, right? Like someone who some someone who's like extreme on the far end. At a moment in time when there is uh, when there is you know national trauma like the um, like nine eleven uh, uh, that can take a back seat. Our identity can take a back seat, and yet that won't take a back seat when it's like a Wednesday, right? Like just like a day, like 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 we are going to we're going to act the way our identities, the way we identify so much more we're going to we're going to act in a way that is um that is more in more externally in line rather than internally in line i love that you you say it that way because you know i'm somebody who's always struggled with my identity until i came into adulthood i'll say because you know i'm a black woman grew up in a really white suburb educated parents i'm fourth generation on both sides to go to college which is unheard of for an American family, forget black family, right? Um, and I was just raised a certain way. And I didn't fit the quote unquote stereotype of a black woman in America that we typically see in media and in TV. And, and in fact, the, the stereotype that a lot of people bought in to, uh, including black people, you know, thanks to some of the, the movies from like the night, you know, Boys in the Hood and all that stuff like, oh, well, you're not really black because you don't, you don't sound black. And and people bought it, right? Like they bought it hook, line, and sinker. Um, and that may not have been my experience, uh, that same lifestyle, right? But that doesn't make me any less Black. And so I had to really have a bit of a come to Jesus meeting with myself. I mean, it was a struggle having, you know, my identity, what I thought I was versus what people were telling me I was versus what I wanted to be. And what I had to realize was I just had to be a careth. And yes, I'm Black. Yes, I'm a woman. And those things are my bonuses. And I was very, very fortunate. I mean, I've led a very charmed life. I have an incredible foundation in my parents. I went to a women's college that really just imparted this idea of, you know, yeah, you're a woman, but so what? That doesn't mean you're limited by anything. You, you can still, so I don't, I never, I don't say never, but very, very rarely have I in my adulthood gone into a situation thinking I'm going to be treated differently because I'm black and I'm a woman. Now, have I been? Of course, I'm sure I have, but that's not the attitude that I go in with. And you know what's the result has been like amazing success and acceptance. And the way, you know, I, I, I thoroughly believe that the way we treat ourselves is the way it, it just, it's the lesson for other people on how to treat us. It, we tell other people how to treat us. So if we go in with this identity strapped to our back, that we are clutching onto with dear life and other people don't recognize that, then again, you know, that's a great way to get thrown off your game. Um, and it's a great way to be, to be trapped. Can you speak a little bit about this idea of being trapped? Like being trapped by like, like what you're telling yourself you need to be and what is in front of you and how can we kind of move some of those bows out of the way so we can sort of see clearly? Sure. Well, you know, everybody has an archetype, right? And we have multiple, really. And every story, every great story has been based on various archetypes, you know, the hero's journey, 
right? Which everybody really is in their own book, in their own life. Um, and, and, but it's like, what part are you playing in that story? What's your archetype? And I just did an exercise recently. I have a, an amazing friend, uh, Christy Turley, who uh, with her business partner, Martina Muir, started something called the Intuition Gym. And it was, you know, how have your archetypes, what were you basically raised to believe you were versus who are you really? And how did that archetype that you were raised to believe, right, write your script? And what I realized, I, I really went in and I just did this the other day. And, you know, I, I was raised to be the good girl, right? I was raised to be the rule follower. I was raised to be, um, you know, someone who really just looked out for other people. And none of those things are bad things, right? But because that was the story that I wrote about myself, I didn't take as many chances and I didn't step out to do some things. I mean, I, I certainly have since like taken risks that a lot of people wouldn't. I mean, doing stand-up comedy as a career, um, moving to New York City with nobody, you know, no support. But the idea is that we all grow up with this, you know, this idea of who we are, whether it is positive or, you know, oh, well, I'm, I'm the youngest, so I'm, I'm always going to be the baby in any situation. I'm, I'm weak because I had illnesses growing up or I'm weak because I have dependencies on something. Like those are the stories that we use the, this, the, to write our scripts. And we will live by that until we recognize what our true archetype is. And, and that is actually something that's not limited. It's limitless. Right. And unless you are shown that or given an exercise or you, you, I mean, I think very few people, like it has to be even less than 1% come to it on their own. Everybody, you know, I hate the idea of like when Kylie Jenner was on the cover of Forbes as like the youngest self-made billionaire. I'm like, there's nothing self-made about her, <laughs> you know? And this makes other people feel bad because they're like, well, I haven't done anything like that. I, bullshit. She didn't do anything without the help of a team of people. Yeah, sure, she's the face of it, but every single one of us needs someone to be a mentor or a coach or someone to just put the, plant the seed to help and help us, you know, reap that and tend that garden so that we get to that place of limitless ideas and possibilities and thinking. And if you're not there, you shouldn't feel bad. That's not just on you. When we identify with being a thing, when we have that story that we're being told we are, even if it's coming from us, there's often a lot of resistance because it's scary to go away from it, to kind of tend to do something else. And we have a whole list of reasons why it's okay. Like you utilize comedy and a soft approach to kind of get people to kind of come to this. How have you seen people address this, address these stories? Sure. Well, I think I go back to the, I don't know how old you are, but you remember, I think it was Captain America. And it was like, knowing is half the battle, that cartoon. Oh, yeah. I'm 45. Right? That's my, that's my, that's my, right? that's my jam. We're good. <laughs> no, I, I just that was, I think that, that was, I think that was, uh, I think that was G.I. Joe, right? Knowing, knowing. Is it G.I. Joe? It was somebody, yeah. somebody like that. It was one of those old school cartoons, yeah. right? And knowing is half the battle. And I think, you know, you can't, address it unless you recognize it. Mm -hmm. And so I, that's the first step is, is being like, okay, wait a second. I'm, uh, there's something that I'm, is missing in my life or there's something that I'm not fully doing to give me the results I want. Where, where am I stuck? And that takes holding up the mirror. 
you know, and looking at yourself, which is not what a lot of people want to do. Although we've kind of been forced to do that this past year, you know, 2020 has been definitely a time of reflection, if nothing else, yeah. reflecting on the life that you've created, um, the job that you have, the partner that you're with, even how you've decorated your home. You know, am I okay with this? Does this sit well with me now that you're in that space and you can't leave, right. <laughs> you know, like you used to come and go, or you were able to just ignore it, you know, that, that, that mess, that wherever that mess was in your life, the relationship in the physical presence. Um, and so now you have to deal with it. And I think that dealing the first part of dealing with it, and I, I really address this a lot in my book, you can be perfect or you can be happy is not to beat yourself up, you know, be, be kind to yourself, be kind to yourself. Like you would be kind to a friend that you love. Um, you know, we, we are so much more, um, willing to give grace and leeway to others and yet when it comes to us, we are our own worst critics and we will beat ourselves up um, to no end. And, and I mean, there are multiple reasons why you should be kind to yourself. But, you know, the first is if you're not taking care of yourself, how can you take care of anything or anyone else? Right. You know, I, I, the analogy I use is I used to fly all the time for work and I would fly a lot with my children and my husband and, uh, you know, usually the girls would sit with me. So there's only like three in a row and, and the flight attendant would always come by and say, you know, you know, she'd see them sitting there and say, listen, ma'am, if anything happens with the cabin pressure, the oxygen mask falls, put your mask on first and then pick your favorite kid and put their mask on. Okay. Uh, but she would, if they were funny, they would say that. Um, but, and I was like, why do you need, like my kids are my life. Why wouldn't I put their mask on first? But then of course, like it made sense. Like, how if I don't put my mask on first and I become incapacitated, how can I help them? I can't. So I, it's not selfish to take care of yourself. That's called just self-care. And that's part of recognizing, again, you know, what's creating your story, going inside and looking and not beating yourself up for it, but recognizing it and, and then saying, you know what, this is something I need to tackle. And if it's something you think you can tackle on your own, great. If it's something you need mentorship on or, you know, I mean, we are in the day of age, in age of, of information. Like we can get it from anywhere. We can hop online. We can get a book. There are a bajillion and one coaches out there. You know, I mean, finding the right person for you or the right thing to help you. Even just going, meditating and praying. Like it's amazing how your higher self, when you connect to it, will give you the answers. You just have to be open to hearing them. So what you were just talking about is great because I want it brings me into the next point of like most of us don't want to even admit that we are wrong. We don't want to ask for help. We don't want to ask for help. We don't want to appear weak. And sometimes that's a cultural thing. You know, I was just reading this horrible article. It, it was saying that in Japan, in October of 2020, excuse me, they had the highest suicide rate. They have more suicides than they had deaths from COVID. And part of it is they have a culture where it's not okay to ask for help. Um, there's a college student who started a helpline, a 24-hour helpline, that said almost every person who calls in starts a sentence with, I know it's not okay to ask for help, but I need this, this, and this because I'm feeling this way. 
And so what I'm saying is sometimes it is a cultural thing, right? And, and it kind of is for us too. I mean, here it's, it's, it's more acceptable to go to therapy though. It's definitely more acceptable to be in therapy. I mean, in New York City, listen, it was a prerequisite. But this idea that if I ask for help, I'm admitting that I don't have it all together. Oh my God, guess who has it all together? Absolutely no one. Absolutely. Newsflash. But we don't think that because we are so caught up in social media, right? And what we see on TV and how celebrities' lives have been sold to us. I mean, I'm even on like these homeschooling groups and some of their pictures they post up are these perfect like little settings with the, the alphabets up on the thing. And, you know, my dining room table looks like a tornado hit it. And that's where my kids are most of the time. <laughs> you know, I mean, yes, we have our moments and, and of course I will post those too. But the reality is, you know, People think the grass is greener. It's not. I mean, my favorite saying is the grass is greener when you water your own lawn. Not on the other side. Yeah. Love that. And again, that goes back to taking care of yourself, you know? And this leads into this conversation of doubling down because so many people, they're going to post those perfect pictures. And that is a doubling down. That is just like building a facade around a story that maybe you don't even believe. Or don't even want to believe, but you're but you're coaxed into believing it, and so you constantly can you're chasing this thing that you can't catch. You know, it's like the old the old Buddha saying of hungry ghosts. Right, and 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 perfection. You know, I mean, that's literally why I wrote the book. You can be perfect, or you can be happy. It sounds like it's a choice, but it's not because perfection doesn't exist. So why not choose happy? And now that's a journey. And there's a caveat, happiness is not a constant, and that's okay too. I literally posted a photo, on, I think actually in this blazer, uh, last week of, of me looking gorgeous, like, you know, glammed up because I know how to do my makeup, I know how to do my hair, I had natural lighting, but I'd spent most of that day in bed because I just needed to rest. I wasn't feeling it. Now, I haven't spent the last three weeks in bed, like, you know, that would be a problem and I should get help. But there are days when you just need to just just check out for a little bit. And I, I posted that picture with the message saying, look, I know what this looks like, but just know behind the scenes, this is what was really going on. So I want you to remember that when you see someone's glam shot or their pretty vacation pic or their, you know, not everybody is living their best life all the time. And to think that they are is such a disservice to you and your spirit. It's that carrot, that golden carrot on that, that cart that you'll never catch. If by chance you catch it, next thing you see is a bigger carrot coming down the street. And you're like, oh, mm-hmm. I got to get that one. That's so right. you're on this constant like chase for something that, you know, and you're, you're destroying yourself in the process. You're, I made you're, a post. I made a post not long ago. It was like, don't let your definition of the word perfection rob you of yours. There you go. You know, our idea of what perfection is doesn't diminish our perfection. Right. I mean, the fact that we exist, and I, not to go into a biology class, but anybody who's ever tried to get pregnant, and I mean tried, like, you know, okay, we got to set our clocks and, you know, my temperature is at this level and, you know, okay, you got to, you know, this is our window. (laughs) (laughs) They know that the odds are like, I mean, it's like you got a 20% chance anyway. But for that one sperm out of the millions and millions to find that egg to make you, like that is nothing short of a miracle. So the fact that you exist means that you have purpose. A lot of people feel very disconnected. Um, People feel like, you know, they don't have purpose. 
And you may not have it fully identified, but you do have purpose. Just your mere existence is proof of that. And that's what I want people to, to, to take away from this conversation and from any of the conversations that I have, you know, and the idea that you're not perfect because of, you know, a physical element or, or, or aspect, your size or, you know, something that, you know, you don't think is perfect on you. Um, your, your, your coloring, your, your, your hair, addiction. whatever it is. Yeah. Your past. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, we aren't, we aren't, again, it goes back to identity. You know, you, you aren't what happened to you and you aren't what you did. And that's really big. And I think for that to really resonate with people, like that's such a deep statement that I'm going to say it again. You aren't, you aren't your past. You aren't what someone else has done to you. And you aren't what you have done. You are a creator in your life. And every day you get to make the choice to create something new and be something new and, and, and be in that spirit of your most true archetype. And if we don't get the opportunity to question, hey, where am I wrong today? Then we won't get the, then, then eventually we might double down. We might double down in staying who we are today because tomorrow we're not going to be who we are today. And that's a journey that's going to continue for the rest of our lives. And when we identify as anything, it's, it's just selling us short. That's exactly right. You're robbing yourself. You're robbing yourself. And I, I get why people want to identify as something because there's, Nothing stronger. I'm sure it's somewhere on the Pavlov scale. I don't have it in front of me, but, but to belong, right? Who doesn't want to belong? But think about all the people who like have joined gangs, right? Those are all people who, when you get to talk to them, felt like dejected and rejected and they didn't have a sense of family or connection. And that was the group that took them in and made them feel like they belonged. You know, and, and that's how they got into that life, mostly. Now, yeah, there are some people who are just not good people, have really messed up energy. But I don't believe that's the majority of people. I think most people just want to belong. And unfortunately, you know, they were susceptible to a group that didn't have good intentions. And that's how they got kind of pulled into that. But every single one of us, that's where we, you know, it's, it's part of our natural needs. Um, and so to identify, well, I'm a Republican and I'm a Democrat and I, this is my people and this is, and I belong, you know, it gives you that sense of you're not out there by yourself. A safety in numbers. There you go. There you go. Yeah. You can feel and safe. it's why people to speak up and say, well, I don't agree with that. That's not right. Because they don't want to not belong anymore. And unfortunately, we are in a day and age where, you know, this cancel culture, Right. This idea of, well, you, you don't agree with me. You don't think the way I think. So I, we don't belong together. So you don't, just can't even be part of this conversation. You can't speak on my campus. You can't, you know, be part of this organization. You know, you can't teach at my school because you, you're saying something that doesn't jive with what I feel makes me part of something and connects me to other things. Like, when did that happen? Like, I mean, there there are dates, but we're not going to (laughs) go. But it's like, you know, it's like, it just, it feels like it kind of just suddenly, like slowly, slowly, slowly. And now we're like in it. Um, And, and I hope to goodness that it's, you know, as George Carlin said, this, this pendulum that will swing back 
but I don't know how far it's going to go because right now it's, you know, it's very disheartening for me as a comedian, as someone who is an advocate for free speech. And, you know, while I, I don't like everything that everybody says who exercises their free speech, um, I don't have to like everything that they say to support it. You know, that's not my job to be the jury. It's my job to say, you know what, we all have that right. And hopefully we counter that bad free speech with more good, positive free speech. And that once again, we talk about this doubling down. Well, I'm going to I'm going to do more work to stop people from speaking. Right. Then I will to get the people that I want to speak and the voices that I want heard heard. And so we're doubling down on the negative where we're doubling down on, you know, like a your conversation doesn't make me feel comfortable. So I'm going to, we're going to protest the fact that you have the right to speak. Yeah. And there gets to be a bit of a mob mentality around it, but there's also something to, and I, I, I can't put my finger on it and I, I don't even know if I'm saying it the right way, but there's just something to negativity. It just, there's an energy to it that's vacuous and it's, you know, if you're not careful, it will suck you in. Like there's, there's something very attractive about it in a, in a bad way. Um, so that's addiction. It's giving us a dopamine hit because we're accepted, because we have attention, because uh, whatever. I mean, we all get dopamine in many, many different ways. And mm-hmm. so like when we're with the cool kids, we could look at the cool kids from the outside and be like, I want to be a part of that. Then when I'm a part of it, I get my little dopamine hit. And then I have to that's not enough. And so I got to take it that next step further in order to continue getting my dopamine. Um, And, you know, we look at, I mean, the name that's coming to mind is like Kyle Rittenhouse, who, you know, he, he wants to be a part of militias. He wants to be a part of like, uh, and then he can go and, and kill people. And then he gets supported by famous people. And then the dopamine that he's receiving is proving to him that he should double down on this attitude right absolutely Uh, absolutely it's uh yeah i mean we're in such an interesting time right right now where you see it from both sides i mean truly you Mm. see people who Mm -hmm. are there's no like well it's just that side of doing it like you see it all around and that's why it's so unnerving because it's so pervasive it's just very unfortunate that we've been forced to have to pick a side you know, the way our system has been set up and the way that even the, the news networks are, are now, you know, you're either on this side or on that side. And, you know, there's, there's no in between and, and it's not news anymore. It's all sensationalism and getting people riled up. You know, we don't have cable in our house. We have internet, but no cable or, you know, but I, I, I did have to get on an airplane um, in October for an event and I watched the television um, that was on the, the, the screens on the plane and I was flipping between CNN and Fox and MSNBC and by the time I got that it was like a two and a half hour three hour ride I was physically drained yeah I felt like it, life had been sucked out of my soul and I think about like the people who are stationed in front of their television sets 24 seven watching this stuff. Like what is it doing to these people and their energy and their ability to function, you know, uh, as, as these, these incredible soulful 
human beings that we are. And we're supposed to be connected to source, not to just what's being, you know, the messaging that we're being given. And it's, 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 it's putting them in a position where they're in this constant uh, flow of reasserting their identity because they are Fox watchers or they watch CNN or they have the right answer. And as they interact with things that they like and that they have become addicted to, they believe falsely that their identity is right. Hence, we, we end up doubling down on these ideas that we don't really deep down believe, but we, but we believe in this space of our addiction and we believe in this space of our, you know, our, uh, the, the, um, the trusty dopamine uh, messaging that we continue to, to have. And you essentially overdosed on, on that sort of uh, interaction while you were on the plane and you came off and you're like, I'm ill. That's, yeah. a, yeah. that's an OD. Like that's, that's, that's yeah. absolute. No, without question. Without, I had a, a yeah. I, without question. I, I think so few people, I really love the way Martin John that you are, phrasing this um because it it is it is about addiction in the sense of this this high that we get and this the 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 lows that come after so you need to get another hit of it so you keep watching right or you keep engaging or you get in that war on twitter or on facebook and you you know what i mean to keep that adrenaline going and that dopamine and the you know everything else but how does it leave you afterwards it's got to leave you deflated. You know, when I talk about addiction, I, I, I want to make sure that we broaden that language because when we identify with being something, that identity in any way, it can lead us to, as we mentioned earlier, it takes away from us. Adding an identity doesn't open anything for us. It actually takes from us. It takes all of the rest, everything that's not part of that identity. You know, and, and that is like, I, I, so I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but no, that's an issue with the whole, like, you know, I identify as like all of the new letters and the pronouns that are coming out mm-hmm. and the, you know, well, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm Afro-Cuban American. I mean, listen, I'm not saying don't like, if that's who you are, that's who you are. But when you solely look to be labeled as that, like, it's just what a disservice. I think you're doing to yourself as a human being. And I know people may think that I'm being idealistic about, well, we're all human beings. Well, yeah, we are. But, and have we had different experiences because of our labels, because of our skin color? Of course we have. I'm not denying that at all. But I think that when that becomes the focus, we are detracting from what can connect us. I mean, I actually coined the term inversity because I feel that the word diversity, I mean, forget it, right off the bat, diversity at the root of it has division and divide, right? But when we are having these diversity and inclusion programs and and speakers come in and all these conversations around it, what you're still doing and what has been happening for decades is dividing people into these groups. Well, you're diverse because you're this. You're diverse because you're a woman. You're a person of color. You're part of the LGBT plus. You're differently abled. You practice this. Or well, you're not diverse because you're part of the like you know status quo. You're a straight white guy. So, 
Well, that's just so counterintuitive to me if we're really talking about bringing people together, right? So that's why inversity is about, you know, shifting the focus from what separates and divides us to what do we have in common? How can we be truly inclusive of one another? But most importantly, and the most critical part for me is how can we be introspective? Going back to looking inside, you know, how do we understand your value, your worth, your connection to humanity? Because it's when you can see those things in yourself, that's when you can see them in someone else. So instead of working from the outside in, this is inside out work. I, I, I see this, this, um, uh, this need to identify with a label as being part of our uh, social media addiction because social media is something that uh, is fast. And so it's real easy to say, I am ABC, whatever that is. But as we identify with I am, um, it's limiting us. And it forces us, when we want to stand up for something, it forces us to double down. And if we're doubling down, are we taking into consideration the bigger picture because our identity is what's causing that. You know, I think it just truly depends on, on that certain people's experiences. You know, it's like, you know, getting someone to understand. So my husband is white, he's Australian. And we got into a <laughs> very intense discussion. Some would call it an argument <laughs> about the terminology white privilege. So this came up in conversation when I was performing at a casino in upstate New York. Um, and we were driving from Manhattan to the, this casino. My husband's like, let's take a scenic route. We've got our two little girls in their little car seats. And he's driving through these beautiful neighborhoods. I mean, lush green lawns. Everything is looking like a Norman Rockwell painting. And I started seeing Confederate flags on these lawns. I'm like, oh, that's like, we weren't that far out of New York City, like the most diverse place in the world. And I didn't say anything. I just kind of kept quiet. And then I performed and I did well. Um, one of my really good friends ended up winning this cute little Irish girl from Boston. And we're walking around together afterwards and people would come up to me going, oh my God, you were so funny. That was great. And they wouldn't even look me in the eye. I didn't even get a conciliatory. And you were good too, which usually you get, you know, <laughs> like, and yeah. you were good too, even if they don't mean it. But I'm like, they weren't even, and she and I were both like, this is so weird. Why are people like talking to me or looking at me? And then the last straw was I was standing in line at this little bakery. I was going to take some treats up to my husband and the girls in the hotel room. And this guy in a Gitter Dunn t-shirt just like cuts me off and goes in front of me. No, excuse me. No, nothing. Like totally intentional. And I was like, what? Now, of course, the irony is Larry the Cable Guy is a very dear friend of mine. But I get upstairs to the room and I tell my husband, I go, dude, I go, you're going to, I go, this is going to sound crazy. I go, but I think this place is kind of racist. To which my husband goes, oh, yeah, I forgot to tell you. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> you forgot to tell your black wife who's here with your half-black children that this place might, and it wasn't like I could do anything about it, right? But at least I would have had the emotional armor on. Right. You know what I mean? I would have known what I was dealing with. And I could have, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know what I would have done, but just having that knowledge, you know, because again, I go into places thinking nothing about my color and my sexuality because like, that's just a part, those are parts of who I am, not all of me. Right. So I go, dude, I go, that right there is an example of white privilege. Well, that was like 
shooting off the firing gun. <laughs> and we started going in around and around. I can't believe you accused me of, of having white privilege. I didn't ask to be born in this body. I didn't know that. And we're in, the, I mean, this fight continued through the car. Like we're driving 80 oh. miles an hour. The last place you want to fight with yourselves, you know, because nobody can Absolutely. leave. You can't yeah. Because you're a captive audience. Right. And, and I, and I, it was then that I realized that it did seem accusatory, right? He didn't ask to be born in his body. I didn't ask to be born in my body. I go, but I go, let me, I go, you know what? Let me rephrase that. I go, it's an advantage that you have. I go, dude, you are six foot four. You're attractive. Oh. You got blue eyes. That's and it. you have a penis. You know, you won the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory golden mm-hmm. ticket. Absolutely. Yeah. And, go, and that is not your fault. But it does mean that you are going to be treated differently than I am. If we were to walk into a car dealership separately. Yeah. I just like, I'm going to be treated differently than an elderly person or someone who speaks English as another language or someone who's openly gay. Like, and just like I have to be an advocate for them, you have to be an advocate for me and mm-hmm. for them. And so that's what this is. You have an advantage. All of this, all lives matter and all that, that's, that leads into our kind of, you know, like that's part of the doubling down. Like I, I, I want to, I, I'm going to be angry. I'm going to respond. I'm going to do these things because I identify as something and I don't want to look at like my privilege. I don't want to look at my yeah. advantage. I don't want to look at this or that. And and if you force me to look at that, what you're doing is you're telling me I'm, I'm not good enough because that's what I've been telling myself this whole time. Well, and that's what's happening with the whole idea of, you know, white fragility. Like, I think that is the counter movement for what should be happening. Like, nobody who's white asked to be born white. Like, it's not their fault. Mm-mm. You do need to recognize you have this privilege and advantage. But should you feel guilty and beat yourself up and hate being a white person? No, nobody should hate being a black person or an Asian person. Like everybody should love who they are because again, you're this miracle. So it was these extremes that are really upsetting for me. Like, why do you have to go there? Why does it have to be like, I'm a horrible person because this is who I am? No, again, this identity, right? Is that all of who you are? No. It's not, it's part of it. And if you know you have this advantage, then just have an awareness about you and, and, and be this advocate for other people. Don't just live in shame and guilt and you know not wanna do any, like that's crazy. Yeah. And there are people who are peddling this and making a lot of money. And that makes me sad. And that message is moving infinitely quicker than it ever did before. That, and this is hard to think about, and this is hard to talk about because you think, oh my God, what can I do? How can I make a difference? How can I, I'm one person, you know, this is a lot of weight to have on my shoulders. Um, but the good news is you're not just one person who's thinking about this. Um, there are many of us who are thinking that, and the, you know, it is, well, you know, what can you do? Well, you can do small things at a time, you know, you can really look at who you're voting for, for, for judges, for, um, you know, sheriffs, um, the small scale stuff that you don't think about, you know, I mean, we finally, I think people are waking up a little bit to politics because of this past election in 2020, um, and realizing that their votes hopefully do matter. Um, there's another aspect of, you know, looking at why, you know, just like you said, why are our values being placed where they are? Is it for monetary reasons? Is it for power? 
Is it for, and it, I think it's all of the above, you know, do all of the above. Um, but it's the same with why are we being driven apart, like as far as like in the diversity world of, and of having to, being told to choose these identities, having things kind of like thrust in our face and, 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 and children being, you know, told like, you know, you can identify as this, this, and this before they're even adults and know who they are. Right. Like there are so many factors that we need to kind of really analyze a little bit deeper um, and, and be like, you know what, I'm not going to buy into that because I see an inherent issue with this because this is going to cause more problems down the line. Mm-hmm. And for me, you know, just as this observer from the outside world, I see, I see us being intentionally pit against one another. And, and, right. and for what purpose, I don't know who is behind it, you know, behind the curtain. I don't know. Um, but I, my whole message is don't fall for it. People don't fall for this idea that we're more different than we are alike, because that's not true. That's, that's a false narrative. And yet we are consumed by this idea and the identities, right. That we're clinging onto that make us feel better or safer. But the reality is, it's just, it's just creating more chaos around us. And so again, it goes back to this awareness of that and not letting, you know, the neighbor sign in the yard across the street tick you off. You know, you don't know who they are. You don't know why they voted for that person per se. You know, you probably waved and got along great before 2020 and you knew who they voted for. Right. Why are you going to let that stop you now? That's right. I look at, and this is why my podcast is entitled Recover Yourself, because there is no right answer to how we as individuals are going to tackle this. But if you listen, and if you're quiet, and you, and, and you stop identifying as that which you were told to identify as, then you'll find the exact way to, to tackle all of this in the way that you can. Because, you know, maybe that is voting. Maybe it is, you know, volunteering somewhere. Maybe it is adopting a dog. Like, I, I, however you... Are, are being driven and being inspired to, to make a difference that's a lot better than however you're um, being forced to be angry to be who you are because the identity that you decided at some point in your life before today. That individual that you think you're supposed to be is, is taking us down this path of, of, of doubling down. And anger will swallow you up whole. The more angry you are, the more you're going to attract it, the more you're going to see it, the more you're going to, the more you're going to engage in it, the more you're going to become addicted to it. And, and all addiction, it only ends with loneliness and death. Kara, thank you so much. Oh man, we tackled so much today. I was, felt very comfortable with you and, and, you know, hopefully was able to share uh, some insights and I thoroughly enjoyed speaking with you and I think that you are a brilliant mind and I love what you have done with your life um, from your experience and the gift that you're giving to the world like I just think it's incredible well thank you so much I read this was an amazing conversation to start from start to finish and it was well over an hour and so if you want access to the complete unedited conversation support me on patreon you can find links to all that Kareth is doing in the description of this episode She's the author of the book, You Can Be Perfect or You Can Be Happy, and she leads institutional inclusion programs called Inversity Solutions. It's very important for us, at the very least, to identify how our perceived identities are keeping us down or holding us back. 
Even the grandest identity is still less than you are. And if you can prove otherwise, ask yourself, are you doubling down? We get so comfortable defending our identities. We start to think they're saving us from something. There's no limit to what we can do as individuals. And when we're ready to shed our identities is when we can really embrace all that life has to offer us. Please support this show on Anchor.fm or support me and my work at Patreon, where you can get access to unedited content as well as writings and access to supporter group portrait sessions with me. You can also support me with a donation through Venmo at martinjohn underscore Garcia. I host workshops regularly, and although they're open to uh, the public, I offer professional CEs through NADAC for those. I also take a limited number of one-on-one clients every month, so contact me when you're ready to work together. Thank you for listening to the Recover Yourself podcast, and until next time, keep recovering yourself.